Chapter Ten. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Clarica. Eight Cousins by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter Ten. Rose's Sacrifice. There certainly were larks on Campbell's Island next day, as Charlie had foretold, and Rose took her part in them like one intent on enjoying every minute to the utmost. There was a merry breakfast, a successful fishing expedition, and then the lobsters came out in full force, for even Aunt Jessie appeared in red flannel. There was nothing Uncle Alec could not do in the water, and the boys tried their best to equal him in strength and skill, so there was a great diving and ducking, for every one was bent on distinguishing himself. Rose swam out far beyond her depth, with her uncle to float her back. Aunt Jessie splashed placidly in the shallow pools, with Jamie paddling nearby like a little whale beside its mother, while the lads careered about, looking like a flock of distracted flamingos, and acting like the famous dancing party in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Nothing but chowder would have lured them from their gambols in the briny deep. That time-honored dish demanded the concentrated action of several mighty minds, so the water-babies came ashore and fell to cooking. It is unnecessary to say that, when done, it was the most remarkable chowder ever cooked, and the quantity eaten would have amazed the world if the secret had been divulged. After this exertion a siesta was considered the thing, and people lay about in tents or out as they pleased, the boys looking like warriors, slumbering where they fell. The elders had just settled to a comfortable nap when the youngsters rose, refreshed and ready for further exploits. A hint sent them all off to the cave, and there were discovered bows and arrows, battle-clubs, old swords, and various relics of an interesting nature. Perched upon a commanding rock, with Jamie to splain things to her, Rose beheld a series of stirring scenes enacted with great vigor and historical accuracy by her gifted relatives. Captain Cook was murdered by the natives of Owyhee in the most thrilling manner. Captain Kidd buried untold wealth in the chowder kettle at the dead of night, and shot both the trusting villains who shared the secret of the hiding-place. Sinbad came ashore there and had manifold adventures, and numberless wrecks bestrewed the sands. Rose considered them by far the most exciting dramas she had ever witnessed, and when their performance closed with a grand ballet of Fiji Islanders, whose barbaric yells alarmed the gulls, she had no words in which to express her gratification. Another swim at sunset, another merry evening on the rocks watching the lighted steamers pass seaward and the pleasure-boats come into port, ended the second day of the camping out, and sent every one to bed early that they might be ready for the festivities of the morrow. "'Archie, didn't I hear Uncle ask you to row home in the morning for fresh milk and things?' "'Yes, why?' "'Please, may I go too? I have something of great importance to arrange. You know I was carried off in a hurry.' Rose said in a confidential whisper as she was bidding her cousins good-night. "'I'm willing, and I guess Charlie won't mind.' "'Thank you. Be sure you stand by me when I ask leave in the morning, and don't say anything till then, except to Charlie.' "'Promise,' urged Rose so eagerly, that Archie stuck in attitude and cried dramatically, "'By yonder moon I swear!' "'Hush! It's all right. Go along.' 
and Rose departed as if satisfied. "'She's a queer little thing, isn't she, Prince? "'Rather a nice little thing, I think. I'm quite fond of her.' Rose's quick ears caught both remarks, and she retired to her tent, saying to herself with sleepy dignity, "'Little thing, indeed. Those boys talk as if I was a baby. They will treat me with more respect after tomorrow, I guess.' Archie did stand by her in the morning, and her request was readily granted, as the lads were coming directly back. Off they went, and Rose waved her hand to the islanders with a somewhat pensive air, for an heroic purpose glowed within her, and the spirit of self-sacrifice was about to be illustrated in a new and touching manner. While the boys got the milk, Rose ran to Phoebe, ordered her to leave her dishes, to put on her hat, and take a note back to Uncle Alec which would explain this somewhat mysterious performance. Phoebe obeyed, and when she went to the boat, Rose accompanied her, telling the boys she was not ready to go yet, but they could, some of them, come for her when she hung a white signal on her balcony. "'But why not come now? What are you about, miss? Uncle won't like it,' protested Charlie, in great amazement. "'Just do as I tell you, little boy.' "'Uncle will understand and explain. "'Obey as Phoebe does and ask no questions. "'I can have secrets as well as other people.' "'And Rose walked off with an air of lofty independence "'that impressed her friends immensely. "'It's some plot between Uncle and herself, so we won't meddle. "'All right, Phoebe. "'Pull away, Prince.' "'And off they went to be received with much surprise by the islanders. "'This was the note Phoebe bore.' "'Dear Uncle, I'm going to take Phoebe's place today and let her have all the fun she can. Please don't mind what she says, but keep her, and tell the boys to be very good to her for my sake. Don't think it is easy to do this. It is very hard to give up the best day of all. But I feel so selfish to have all the pleasure and Phoebe none that I wish to make this sacrifice. Do let me, and don't laugh at it. I truly do not wish to be praised, and I truly want to do it. Love to all. From Rose.' "'Bless the little dear. What a generous heart she has. "'Shall we go after her, Jessie, or let her have her way?' said Dr. Alec, "'after the first mingled amusement and astonishment had subsided. "'Let her alone, and don't spoil her little sacrifice. "'She means it, I know, and the best way in which we can show our respect for her effort "'is to give Phoebe a pleasant day. I'm sure she has earned it and Mrs. Jessie made a sign to the boys to suppress their disappointment and exert themselves to please Rose's guest. Phoebe was with difficulty kept from going straight home, and declared that she should not enjoy herself one bit without Miss Rose. She won't hold out all day, and we shall see her paddling back before noon, I'll wager anything, said Charlie, and the rest so strongly inclined to his opinion that they resigned themselves to the loss of the little queen of the revels, sure that it would only be a temporary one. But hour after hour passed, and no signal appeared on the balcony, though Phoebe watched it hopefully. No passing boat brought the truant back, though more than one pair of eyes looked out for the bright hair under the round hat, and sunset came, bringing no rose but the lovely color in the western sky. I really did not think that the child had it in her. I fancied it was a bit of sentiment, but I see she was in earnest, and means that her sacrifice shall be a true one. Dear little soul, I'll make it up to her a thousand times over, and beg her pardon for thinking it might be done for effect. 
Dr. Alec said remorsefully, as he strained his eyes through the dusk, fancying he saw a small figure sitting in the garden as it had sat on the keg the night before, laying the generous little plot that had cost more than he could guess. "'Well, she can't help seeing the fireworks, anyway, unless she is goose enough to think she must hide in a dark closet and not look,' said Archie, who was rather disgusted at Rose's seeming ingratitude. "'She will see ours capitally, but miss the big ones on the hill, unless Papa has forgotten all about them,' added Steve, cutting short the harangue Mac had begun upon the festivals of the ancients. "'I'm sure the sight of her will be better than the finest fireworks that ever went off,' said Phoebe, meditating an elopement with one of the boats if she could get a chance. "'Let things work. If she resists a brilliant invitation we give her, she will be a heroine,' added Uncle Alec, secretly hoping that she would not. Meanwhile, Rose had spent a quiet, busy day helping Dolly, waiting on Aunt Peace and steadily resisting Aunt Plenty's attempts to send her back to the happy island. It had been hard in the morning to come in from the bright world outside, with flags flying, cannon booming, crackers popping, and everyone making ready for a holiday, and to go to washing cups while Dolly grumbled and the ants lamented. It was very hard to see the day go by, knowing how gay each hour must have been across the water, and how a word from her would take her where she longed to be with all her heart. But it was hardest of all when evening came and Aunt Peace was asleep, Aunt Plenty seeing a gossip in the parlor, Dolly established in the porch to enjoy the show, and nothing left for the little maid to do but sit alone in her balcony and watch the gay rockets whiz up from island, hill, and city, while bands played and boats laden with happy people went to and fro in the fitful light. Then it must be confessed that a tear or two dimmed the blue eyes, and once, when a very brilliant display illuminated the island for a moment, and she fancied she saw the tents, the curly head went down on the railing, and a wide-awake nasturtium heard a little whisper, "'I hope someone wishes I was there.' The tears were all gone, however, and she was watching the hill and island answer each other with what Jamie called whizzers, whirligigs, and busters, and smiling as she thought how hard the boys must be working to keep up such a steady fire, when Uncle Mac came walking in upon her, saying hurriedly, "'Come, child, put on your tippet, pelisse, or whatever you call it, and run off with me. I came to get Phoebe, but Aunt says she is gone, so I want you.' I've got fun down in the boat, and I want you to go with us and see my fireworks. Got them up for you, and you mustn't miss them, or I shall be disappointed. But Uncle, feeling as if she ought to refuse even a glimpse of bliss, perhaps—I know, my dear, I know, Aunt told me, but no one needs you now so much as I do, and I insist on your coming, said Uncle Mac, who seemed in a great hurry to be off, yet was unusually kind. So Rose went and found the little Chinaman with a funny lantern waiting to help her in, and convulse her with laughter trying to express his emotions in pigeon English. The city clocks were striking nine as they got out into the bay, and the island fireworks seemed to be over, for no rocket answered the last Roman candle that shone on the ant hill. "'Ours are done, I see, but they are going up all round the city, and how pretty they are,' said Rose, folding her mantle about her and surveying the scene with pensive interest. 
"'Hope my fellows have not got into trouble up there,' muttered Uncle Mac, adding with a satisfied chuckle as the spark shone out. "'No, there it goes. Look, Rosie, and see how you like this one. It was ordered especially in honor of your coming.' Rose looked with all her eyes, and saw the spark grow into the likeness of a golden vase. Then green leaves came out, and then a crimson flower glowing on the darkness with a splendid luster. "'Is it a rose, uncle?' she asked, clasping her hands with delight as she recognized the handsome flower. "'Of course it is. Look again, and guess what those are,' answered Uncle Mac, chuckling and enjoying it all like a boy." A wreath of what looked at first like purple brooms appeared below the vase, but Rose guessed what they were meant for, and stood straight up, holding by his shoulder, and crying excitedly, "'Thistles, uncle! Scotch thistles! There are seven of them, one for each boy! Oh, what a joke!' And she laughed so that she plumped into the bottom of the boat, and stayed there till the brilliant spectacle was quite gone." "'That was rather a neat thing, I flatter myself,' said Uncle Mac, in high glee at the success of his illumination. "'Now shall I leave you on the island, or take you home again, my good little girl?' he added, lifting her up with such a tone of approbation in his voice that Rose kissed him on the spot. "'Home, please, Uncle, and I thank you very, very much for the beautiful firework you got up for me. I'm so glad I saw it, and I know I shall dream about it,' answered Rose steadily though a wistful glance went toward the island, now so near that she could smell powder and see shadowy figures flitting about. Home they went, and Rose fell asleep, saying to herself, "'It was harder than I thought, but I'm glad I did it, and I truly don't want any reward but Phoebe's pleasure.'" End of chapter 10